episode number 36. As always, a massive thank you to everybody listening. I really, really appreciate it. In this episode, I had a chat with Chris DeCranis. So Chris is a strength and conditioning coach who works at Woodford Sports Science Consulting down in Victoria. Uh, so we discussed Chris's journey to end up in the role he's in now, as well as we talked about a host of other topics relating to coaching. So despite being quite young, Chris has already amassed a lot of coaching experience. So it was interesting to get his thoughts on the topics that we discussed. Hope you guys enjoy. Chris DeCranis, uh, thank you very much for taking time out of your Friday afternoon to have a chat with me. My pleasure, honestly, my pleasure. Uh, so we were just saying, you were just saying your uh, voice is pretty much gone by this time of the week, by the time you knock off on a Friday afternoon from coaching. <laughs> yeah, um, honestly, just like me and Jez Brick would, we're always just absolutely yelling it across the leg. It's like, it's it's unreal, just hours on end. And we, you would think, okay, let's turn down the music then so that we can speak to people. But it's like, no, let's turn off the music at full blast for... 12 hours a day and let's keep yelling louder. So definitely by this time of the week, my voice tends to break out and I sound like a 13 year old, but it's okay. <laughs> yeah, you are sounding about um, a bit, yeah, a bit croaky there. But, um, so the interesting thing that I've found about you, I don't, so how old are you? I'm, so I'm 19 now in a month I turn 20. So in December, turn 20. Um, that's crazy. I don't think I've come across a coach your age that has as much practical coaching experience as you do. I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, it feels like you have been just from the outside looking in, feels like you have been yep. at Woodford's for 10 years. <laughs> 10 years. It's funny like that, isn't it? I think you're just being around that environment for so long and just growing, growing from, you know, a young boy to obviously a man um, in the gym. It's just, I feel like so many people get it wrong. Like every time people talk to me, like, yeah, you know, 24, 25, I'm like, so 20 in a month. <laughs> <laughs> so let's go back to then how you got started at Woodford. So is it right? Am I right in saying you toy ACL? Yeah, absolutely. Good, good, good info. I like that. Um, yeah, so I was 14 years old. Um, and I actually, I knew of Woodford and I needed to do my work experience somewhere. And at the same time, I tore my ACL. And one of the old coaches at WSSC was helping out with our preseason. Because I used to play soccer, right? Was helping out with our preseason. And I asked him um, to ask Woody, oh, could I do my work experience? And I think around three times Woody came back to say no. Um, <laughs> for the first three times but on the fourth time I tried I'm like no nah, I'm persistent I'm like this seems like the place to be I had a cheeky look on Instagram I thought you know this seems like what I want to go to and I, I was passionate about getting back to soccer so I was like I want to get my rehab right and he let me come back which was awesome so at 14 years old um, I tore my ACL playing soccer and met Christian coming in for the first day and it was, I'm oh, oh my, you know, I don't know if you've ever fallen in love, before, in love before, Benny, but like, I fell in love. I fell in love within three seconds of walking in that door. Had you ever, um, had you done anything inside a gym before that? Well, like, look, in an embarrassment, you know, I'd been in the gym and I'd like spent, like done every exercise on the sun in your whole session. And I'd done, I'd done all the stupid shit everyone had always done. Um, and I used to think that was normal. I used to do that. It was like... My SNC probably wasn't that great, but I'd never really done proper athletic development or really like actually even challenged myself. Like, yeah, what you hit the leg press a couple of times, you know, sit on your phone, scroll through Instagram, hit it another couple of times and then walk home with your town and think you're absolutely jacked. But like never really properly did the fundamentals of athletic development. So Christian definitely really opened my eyes with the whole WSNC opened my eyes to that. And then I think that's what really brought me into it and why I loved it so much is that, I saw how much of an impact it made for me in my career and my life to think I'm like, there's so many people out there in Australia that don't experience this and still aren't educated and why it's so critical. So it kind of brought about that passion from as a younger athlete, why I'm so passionate about drilling it into the juniors, drilling it to any, any athletes really in Australia. 
So, so essentially you did your ACL rehab and your work experience. So actually before that, even, did you know you wanted to be a coach slash work in a gym prior to your time at Woodford? No, so see, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. And even though I'd seen a little bit of Doug, I didn't really understand what it was. Like I honestly didn't know what it was. Mm. Like many athletes that come to our doors. So I thought, look, I'll give it a crack. I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do in my life. I knew it was something revolved around sport because I was just obsessed with it. Like regardless of any sport, I just didn't really know because I didn't actually understand the job. But came in uh, for my first day and Christian's just rolled in. And like, so I was there, rolled in and he's just got this, this enthusiasm and it just it just clicked with me like him and I just clicked like we were just both crazy and I think I just I fell in love and there was one week it was only one week of work experience and I actually hadn't come to do my rehab yet it was only just one week of work experience and honestly by the end of the week I thought I knew him for a year because like I just spent so much time there and I didn't even want to leave and in his mind he was thinking why is this guy hanging around me so much but I just loved it. Like, I, I just, I didn't know where to go. I was like, this is where I, like, honestly, from that first second he walked in and I saw the environment, I'm like, I just knew. I can't tell you how. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. That's pretty cool. So you did that week of work experience. Then did you start your ACL rehab there after that? So I was a bit lost for like two weeks. I was like, okay, what do I do now? And then I thought like, hold on a second, like, why not, you know, go to that same place and keep learning whilst I was getting a rehab? And I spoke to Woody about it. And he's like, yeah, like we can do that. Because he said to me, like, the best way to get better as a coach is to be coached. And I'm like, unreal. So I was like, I started my rehab there. Um, we nailed it. And I learned so much from Woody. It was just like, it was a really good experience, you know, as a young athlete just to get it. Because at that time, it was doing more semi-private one-on-one. So I got a lot of time with him. And honestly, that man, you could spend with him for six hours only and you would just, you'd, you'd learn so much. You'd need to bring a textbook out. I'd have to go home and write things down. He would tell me. So you, so you did your rehab. Then yep. how did things progress from there? Then did you just keep yeah. hanging around? You just wouldn't go away? Yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go through the whole, whole story. So pretty much did my rehab and I, I used to just hang around. So afterwards, after my session, I'd learn from him, hang around my sessions and kind of see him do his thing. And at first, I'd just be hanging around. I'd, I'd move a 20-kilo plate for him. I'm like, I'd do whatever he wanted. I was like, come around and just listen to him do his thing. Like, he wouldn't even necessarily be speaking to me. But I just listened to him doing his thing. And I, you just absorb it. You just sit there. You just retain it. And, you know, the first few times, you're probably not going to remember. But every time you just sit there, you know, it's just consistency. Mm-hmm. I would be there three times a week. And I'd, I'd probably, I used to try coming early. So I used to finish school. I used to just run home, get my bag, get changed, get as quickly as I can to the gym so I could train from four to five. So that at least then from five to 8.30, I could spend time with him. So at least then that was three and a half hours I could spend just listening to him speak and um, see him do, do his thing. So that went along for my rehab. And I used to just let me help people out. It's like once my rehab kind of finished, I was at that point where I've kind of just been around him for a year I've absorbed a lot of what he said. I've helped him out with the small things that he used to just like, and like I told him, I'm like, I want to work for you. He's like, oh, he's like, oh, okay. Fair enough. This young kid told me that. But um, once I finished my rehab, I went back to playing soccer, but I kept hanging around. I'm like, this place is amazing to me and everyone treated me so amazingly. I'm learning so much. I just knew that's where I wanted to go. So he would just give me like small things. Like even if it was like something simple, take him through a pal-off press, like something so simple, or through a hip toss, or just count his reps. Like, I mean, something so simple, but it's just getting exposure because that's not something you can really get at that age. But he did. He gave it to me, even with my simplest things. And at the time, like, I was ecstatic. I loved it. And other people thought, you're just counting 10 reps for the guy. But I was, like, looking at it. I'm trying to observe it. I'm trying to take it in. So pretty much used to just help him out. And then over time, that transitioned from take him through a stretch to take him through a hip thrust to take him through this exercise or take him through this new exercise to take him through the whole session um because he just started trusting me you know over time and he really gave me that opportunity like he i don't know what was going through his brain but he really just uh opened up he said all right i'll give you a crack so i was like you know i was 16 and i was at this point being with him for two years and he just let me take someone through a session so i because i just hang around he just let me do it and i started to develop that rapport with the clients that they would kind of trust me as well um and it was good like i was getting this experience i was able to coach i was able to be on the floor and like obviously I would need help I would ask if I needed help you know he would be around Rick would be around but it was nice to really just give it a go and give it a crack and try help out 
Um, Because I think that's the biggest thing Christian told me. Like, the only way you get better is trying. And at the start, I probably didn't know exactly what I was saying, but I just gave it a go. Um, And I probably, I definitely made a lot of mistakes. But over time, I feel like the fact that I went out there to give it a crack and then just each day, three times a week I was coming in, just I think consistently over the years, I just developed that experience. And I think from there, that was just years going that I developed a big rapport with clients. And there were some clients that I started taking myself. By the time I was in year 12, I was writing programs for that I felt like I had competence because by that point I was there for, I'd been at the gym for three, three and a half years. I'd been exposed to Christian, Brick, all methodologies and just seeing them do their thing. And Christian, each time I was in, like every time it would give me opportunities. So I think by that point I was writing programs. And again, I made plenty of mistakes, still do. Um, but it was the fact that I had lots of exposure that once I did finish school, I was in a much better position, I feel, than a lot of other my peers. Yeah, that's yeah, that's interesting. So then, so then after that, you just kind of ended up getting a job. So I just started my degree, and I said to Christian, "I'm like, I'm gonna finish it. I'm like, I'm not finished yet. I'm in my last. I finished next year." Um, and he just said, "Like, I know you'll finish it." He's like, "I trust you on your, you know, experience and what you've done." And I think the fact that I had a big report, and I was able just from being Woody and developing a report, I feel like my communication was like at a higher standard. So at least then I started to branch out and I started to talk to people because I feel like I'm a bit more of an extroverted human. So when it came to communicating communicating with people, seeing how Christian sold it to other people, I feel like that finishing school, I just believed in myself and I just backed myself. So I started, you know, bringing other people in and already had a good base. Like Christian gave me a really good base and I had a good rapport with the clients that were already there. But from there, I found a really good way seeing how Christian used to do it and leverage off your clients to bring in more people. And then I think Christian just figured like, oh, this this kid's hung around for so long. I trust him. Mm. I've given him experience. And now he's being he's able to leverage off other people and bring more more members in that he was like, it'd be stupid not to hire him. And then from there, I think it just rolled really fluidly. Yeah. So, because you've kind of done it almost backwards to the way most people tend to do it in terms of most people tend to like finish school, go to uni and the vast majority of exercise science graduates who want to be coaches will kind of finish uni with very little coaching experience is where you've kind of done it the almost complete reverse of that. Having had well, like what three or four years coaching experience before you started uni. So you've kind of got the practical experience and now you're kind of getting that theoretical knowledge base built up. Um, which is interesting. So how have you found that in terms of like already having that practical experience and now kind of doing the theory side of it? I think it's so interesting, right? Um, like obviously like you, it's the practical experience, but when you listen to Woody, you, you, you hear his justification because the biggest thing you'll hear from Woody is he loves to justify. Even if he's filming, he'll justify something. And it's actually good content. And when you're learning, you try to absorb that. So from a theoretical standpoint, I found it really like really good with Woody as well. Like that I was capable of understanding a lot of the concepts on how to justify why we were doing everything. So moving into uni, I didn't find it too much of too difficult. Like I find I was more actually angry that I had to go through it. Don't get me wrong. There's like, there's definitely great parts of that uni, but I find there's a lot of junk in there Mm. that I just think like, I want to be doing my job. I'm like, why am I sitting here running assignment about something that, is useless to me. I find I'm not saying like I know everything, but I just feel like I'm not going to be utilizing some of these things that I'd rather be out there coaching because over the past years, the only the way I've gotten better and the way I've gotten more experience and being more uh, competent in my job was by just doing it. Mm. So I feel like doing it in reverse was amazing, or at least getting some experience because you roll into this, you get all this theory, and then it's like it makes no sense honestly makes no sense like i can imagine what it would be like for someone who hasn't done content and i can see why people go down this path path finish their degree and then kind of go start either implementing like crazy shit or just like don't know what to do with it yeah it's very interesting here you say that because i was one of those people who went that other way did all the theory at uni before i really got any practical experience so I had it from the other end, yeah. So I came out of uni, had all that theoretical knowledge, but I couldn't coach for shit. Like I had no idea what it was doing and how to put it all together. And it wasn't until I started to come across blokes like um, like Christian, like your Joe DeFranco's, Mike Balls, these types of guys, 
and started to take in all their all their content and all their all the stuff they've put out that you're kind of able to connect the dots so it's really interesting that you have kind of that practical base as you start your degree and to hear you say you find a lot of the stuff well not a lot but you find some of the stuff you're doing is completely kind of irrelevant to coaching and it's just not the way it actually works in the real world is really interesting yeah definitely like don't get me wrong like i think there's definitely principles that you can take away from uni like understanding the basis of a lot of things is definitely important but i think they take things to the new the next level in the wrong direction they say okay here's your theory but where do we where do we expand on this let's go into more theory and i'm like well hold on a second it's like i think they don't really make it clear why are we learning this theory or it's a bit lost with like they, they do practicals and like honestly the practicals I've found and this is just my opinion um, I don't find them very helpful because you go to one every six weeks and like you sit there you listen for a little bit you probably get five minutes of experience and then like then what so it's like I find that yeah, I feel like and I always spoke to this about this with Woody I feel like the way tradies are run they're that industry where you have to go there and do experience and then you you go say one one week a month to go learn that info is actually so effective. And in a job where you work with humans and you work in an industry that requires a lot of communication and practical application, mm. I feel like you need that experience just to even try out what you're learning. Like, like to get, don't get me wrong, like there's great theory, but if you're not trying it out and playing around with it, how do you really know what works, what doesn't, what suits you, what has worked with other athletes? You know what I mean? Yeah, no, and I agree. And um I also like, I'm an advocate for uni degrees as well. Like for any young coach, I would encourage them to go and get a degree because that theoretical, that theoretical knowledge is really important. Obviously it kind of underpins everything you do. It's just in that world, they almost take it very far down the academia side of things and down the research side of things, as opposed to kind of there's less of a practical focus and more of a research slash academia focus. So I would definitely advocate anyone get a degree, but you kind of have to be on the ball with organizing your own practical experience because the university is kind of not going to do it for you. And in my experience, it's been a while since I've been at uni. They don't tend to push you down that way and encourage you to get heaps of practical experience. But I think that's the thing. If you're at uni, you just have to be getting practical coaching experience the whole time you're there. Exactly. Like, I feel like, like you, like you said, there's actually good content and the theory is useful. Like a lot of theory can be useful. I think, what people need to really do is learn the theory and feel like, why is this important? Like, why do I need this? Like when you justify your programs and what you're putting in there and what you believe you're trying to do, whether it be work to rest ratios, understanding energy systems, like understanding all that theory is really important, but understand the gap of, okay, I'm learning this. Why do I need to know this? So that when I apply certain things, rather than just learn it and be there, okay, yeah, I know the credit cycle. Yeah, I know this. But like, why? Why do you know this? What is it? How is it going to help you? So I think, do your uni degree 100% it's crude like you know you can get a lot out of it but you should always ask them why why am I doing this how do I how does it help me where can I apply it yeah and there's so many little things about coaching that you um can't you can only learn by coaching like you kind of touched on it before the communication side of it because a big part of sessions is actually just talking like there's so much so much time spent in a session where you're not actually doing anything particularly if you have a more advanced slash stronger athlete, they can just, they spend a lot of time resting in their session. So like, that's a lot of like downtime that you need to be able to kind of navigate through. Honestly, that is, that is so true. And it's definitely actually a area that I feel like a lot of people don't realize till you do it. Cause mm. like once you start working with people, like you're sitting there, it's like, you've got to talk about something different. You don't always have to talk about like what you're doing in the gym as well. Like can you talk about their day? And I feel like that's something that even I realized I was like shocked as I got more experience, like you need to actually just talk to someone, have a chat with them. And I'm like, like you said before in a lot of your posts, like you're not the most extroverted person, but that's fine. You can adapt. There's different areas that we're going to have to adapt as coaches depending on your personality. But in the end of the day, it is definitely a communication uh, based job. So if you struggle with that, it's definitely hard because like like we've seen before, if you can't communicate with someone and you can't really develop a good relationship, are they really going to trust you? And I found that the more that you can get someone to trust you, the more you can get them on the side with educating them on the things that you believe are important as well. Yeah, 100%.
Uh, and you're right. Like when someone sits down between sets, they don't want to talk about. They don't want to talk about training. Some do, and they'll ask. Some might ask you questions and stuff. But the yeah, majority definitely. don't want it. They don't want to sit down and talk about training. They just want to sit down and talk shit and just relax and chill out. They don't. Want to, for example, yeah. they don't want to sit there and listen to you talk about the Krebs cycle. Like they don't. They don't give a shit. No, that's the thing, and this is where it's like it's funny. The better you get at communication. The, the greater the relationship and the greater the trust of the athlete, the less you really need to actually explain the justification and just give them what you believe is important. Whereas a lot of people go the other way and be like, I'm just going to learn all the theory and just try to throw it on my athlete. And don't get me wrong. Some do love to be educated. Some don't. And you can find that out. But it's not just about telling them all the knowledge and how much you know in your brain and more so just saying, can you develop greater trust with the individual, you know, and get a good relationship with them Talk to them about their weekend or how they broke their car, broke down. I don't know. You tell me. Um, and then to kind of move forward with your program. Yeah, that's pretty much, it's almost actually the biggest part of coaching, that communication relationship building side of it. Because yes, the training and all that's important. But like you said, if you can't communicate effectively and build a good relationship with an athlete, it's not going to work. No. Exactly. And this is where like, you want to be on the same page. If you you connect with them, you bond with them, um, you know, they'll be excited. They'll be excited to come in. And that, that creates retention as well, because literally you don't want to be going to a session where you sit there and you just sit, you two sit in silence and don't really know what to say. It's like, are they really going to want to keep coming today if they feel a little bit awkward? So if you can connect with them, bond with them and communicate. Yeah. So it's, it's actually interesting as a, as a coach, especially Woody's advocated a lot is, you know, talk with your clients, go out there and just give the crack. I feel like a lot of people like are scared. Just start chatting, chat about everyone, go to talk to people. Yeah, you're right. And that's an interesting thing you say about like the sitting in silence thing. Cause some, some people, then again, there are some people who are quieter and would just prefer like sometimes not to talk at all. And you kind of almost have to be okay with that as well. And just let them do their thing and almost not force it on them if they don't want it. Yeah. Oh, also, yeah. You don't want to push on the opposite direction. And I think, with those type of individuals, I find just getting them to do like a, like a cheeky stretch or something in between works out quite effectively rather than just sitting there doing nothing. But definitely, like, I think you just got to read what type of athlete you're working with. And I think that's the hardest part. Also, a hard part of coaching is no, no one's the same. Hmm. And honestly, no one will tell you that in uni. It's like, it's funny. You just see it as you spend more time with different people. Everyone's different. One person wants to tell you about their weekend. One person wants to understand why you're programming everything, regardless if they're a coach or not. And another person wants to sit there in silence and doesn't want to hear you speak. And it's interesting here what you said there about how you kind of think about you might have to put a little stretch in between an exercise where it's going to help them, but it's more there just to fill time or give them something to do. There's little things like that that you can't learn from coaching. You can't learn about coaching other than just actually being out there and coaching. And you'll find that you find that when you write programs that you get to know the individuals so well that say if they're say if an athlete is doing some sort of power-based exercise, a jump, a sprint, whatever at the start of their program, if you know they're someone who doesn't like to rest, you can't just tell them you're going to do this sprint and then rest for two minutes because they're not going to rest. So you have might have to chuck in a little stretch there or some sort of upper back exercise or something just to fill the time to make sure they actually rest. Little things like that. Oh. Honestly, there's there's one client, um, Brian McPherson, really good, great golfer. Um, and he honestly does not want to rest. Like he'll do his set and he's just ready to go again. I've had to prescribe him like two, like two fillers before, yeah. just like, and just, just so he just did not move. I'm like, relax. We're trying to do like a hang power snatch and he's sitting there ready to go again. I'm like, it's okay. Or like, I'll just annoy him for a little bit for at least a minute and a half so he doesn't think about his set before he goes back so it's, it's interesting and then you have clients on the opposite sector like i have another client who if i do that by the time he gets to the filler by the time he does that and then he chats with everyone else in the gym it's like he's done that's his whole session done so i feel like it wouldn't even be worth trying to prescribe something like that so it's it's funny how there's just so many different people and the way they react to different things you put in the program yeah exactly and that's a perfect example of yeah having to understand the individual and all the little things that go into programming and coaching that you can't learn in a setting like in a setting like university. Yeah, definitely. And I think, I think it's, it's, it's amazing when you look at the way you program it, it's, you got to, you should always be observant of the way your asset reacts to the program as well. And mm -hmm. the way they, 
they treated their rest period. Are they going off talking to people? And I feel like some people just ignore them. They don't care. They just think, oh no, but the science says it's got to do this, this, and this. But it's like, mm. yeah, the science says they do this and this, but they skip the last 10 minutes every time because they chat too much. Mm. Well, are you really getting what you want? Yeah, and this is the thing. Say if you have, you probably had this now where you have like interns come through or whatever and observe sessions and you try and explain why you have this in this person's program, but not in this person's program or whatever. And you're like, well, the reason actually is because this person chats too much. And if I give them too many things, they're not going to get it done. So it's, it's literally things like that. Oh, honestly, there's definitely so many parts of programming that aren't just about, oh, it's science, science for optimal performance. It's like, sometimes it's like, no, because this client reacts this way or works this way. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, if I can tick at least these boxes, I'll worry less about the other box. Yeah, yeah, 100%. How do you go as well? It's an interesting thing that I kind of mentioned the interns there. How do you go? You guys probably have interns come in. How do you go having like, because I assume every single one of them that comes in will be older than you. How do you how do you go with that? How do they find that when there's some 19-year-old bloke coming in? Do they coming in to observe? Great question. Um, I think, so usually a lot of them, like I don't go out there usually and just start spitting my age out. Not as a bad thing. I think usually what I like to do is I like to let them see me coach first yeah. and get a, get a, perspective of what I'm like in the gym and then at least then from there they'd be like okay I like this and then I'll ask them like how old do you think I am and then they'll probably tell me and then I'll be like okay I'm not I'm this and then they're like oh but then I'm like they saw what I did I explained them something to them I might educate them on something I might be like this is why we did this this and this and then they learn something they take it down they they develop that bit of trust or I'll chat with them so now they've gotten that bit more Uh, systems, philosophies, and then from there, at least then they can kind of trust what I'm trying to tell them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they can just make their judgment based off your coaching skills as opposed to as opposed yeah. to your age. Yeah, yeah. I, I think that's a big thing I've had to go about. I, I try to just express myself and express what I can give to someone. And then once they see that, regardless of my age, once they say that, if they're not happy, then fair enough, okay? Then I can't give them what they want. But if I express everything I want and I can help them and I can achieve their goals they want, then I feel like there should be no issue. And that's the biggest thing. Like you could ask, someone could come in and ask them age and they'll be, all right, give me one session. Let me let me do something with you. And if, if then beyond that, they still don't feel comfortable, they still don't want to do anything, fair enough, that's fine. But I feel like with people, you just got to communicate with them just to gain that little bit of trust. Let them see your competency level. And then from there, I think everything just flows fluidly. Yeah, definitely. And it's one, it's one of those things where most people, most people would not care at all anyway. Once you show people your competency level and what you can give them, I think it, it doesn't really matter. And like I said, it's not really a topic that comes up because I'm not, I'm not too stressed about it. I'm not too worried about it. Like I said, I want to give people what I believe in what I can give people and I believe I can help people. Um, and I think a big thing is being around people like Christian, being around people like Jez, you know, being around a good community. I think you start, you know, you, you have much higher belief and you, you respect your worth, you respect your values. And of course, I've got a long way to go, but I still do believe I can help a lot of people. So that's why when someone comes in, I'm not too sure. I don't even think about, oh, are they, what if they get worried about my age? I'm like, I can help you. Let me show you. Yeah, that's awesome. And like, as long as you have that attitude, if you have that attitude where all it's about is what's going to be best for the, that client slash athlete, then it really doesn't matter because you might be the right coach or you might not be irrespective of age. Oh, yeah, exactly. And I think the biggest thing is like we look at biological age versus training age, I think we should look at it the same as biological age versus experience as well. So, you know, obviously, like I said, I have a lot more experience to get but I still do believe in my worth and I do believe I can help people. And yeah, there's going to be some people that I can't always help and that's fine. That's life. But when someone comes through those doors, like Christian's told me, like Karen always tells me, you know, you just give it a crack. You do what you can do. And that's, that's all you can do. You don't worry about your age. You don't worry about other things because in the day you're there to help people that they, they matter. You can't keep worrying about yourself. You just got to go out there you just got to try your best to help that person. 
Yeah, exactly. And then in regards to um, the way WSSC is working now, so you and Brick, aka Jeremy, are um, are doing the majority of the coaching these days there at the moment, yeah? Yeah, that's right. So for I think what Karen said was you predominantly do the mornings and Brick does Arvo, is that right? Yeah, so we have a really good schedule. So it used to just be a few years ago, like two years ago rolling in, it was just like as we start to build up again um, throughout COVID, it was like, it was just crazy. It was just everywhere. We'll hear times here through there. And Brick and I just sat down one day and said, why don't we just create a template? And it just worked so much better. So I think just because of the distance Jeremy lives, I was like, I would rather, you know, I'll do the morning so I can come in nice and early, be there for the people that I need to get there before school, before work. Mm. Um, and we have different days. So I'm there two of the other afternoons slash nights. Brick's there for most of the afternoons slash nights on most days. And I'm there pretty much there for all mornings as well. So we, I think we just split it up really well together. And we're, we're consistently throughout the week calling each other, having meetings, sitting down. Like, honestly, I, we, we always say to each other, we're the best duo. We just work so good together. Honestly, as we work together, we're, it's amazing. Like, Chip Brick is awesome. Like, we just, we bond, we connect. Um, and, we you know, no one's trying to get ahead of each other. We just believe that we can help each other. And regardless, uh, if there's no, or they're your client or they're his client. You know, we don't treat it like that at WSC. I think the best thing that we developed and that, you know, Christian really tried to project was that we're a family. And I think it's amazing to see how much of a culture and a family we have, especially now building up over the years and, you know, really being here for a long time, same with Jeremy, same with the rest of the crew, to see how much of a family and a culture we have. So it doesn't matter if you're in the afternoon on Monday, I could might, might write your program, but Jeremy's still going to give you that 110%. Or if you come see me and you're Jeremy's, you know, Jeremy's reading your program. I think everyone just wants to help each other and everyone just loves each other. It's awesome. Yeah, it looks like it looks like you guys just um enjoy being there, enjoy hanging out with each other. It looks like you just have fun. Yeah, honestly, like I don't realize, like I don't even know I have a job. Like honestly, I have a job. I'm like what? Like I forget that. I honestly, like I wake up in the morning. I'm like let's let's go. I get to hang out with like my most favorite people in the day. It's it's honestly amazing. I can't describe it. Like I I wish you could just come in and see it's you walk through those doors and it's the energy as well, not just the videos you see on the story, the energy being around there. Like, mm-hmm. I don't care if you've gotten six hours of sleep or if you've gotten a full night's sleep, you get in there and you just feel great. You just walk in there. So like, honestly, I'm blessed with the clients we have. Like, don't see family we have. Like, we're so blessed to have them because you sit there and you think, wow, everyone just helps each other. Like, this is amazing. Here we go. Brick and I, we, we, we train these juniors, right? Amazing kids. Like, their goal is to make the ASL. They're awesome. They, they, they train hard. They listen. And there was one morning, right, we weren't in, but they still wanted to come in. We're like, that's totally fine. Do your thing. And the way they acted, we saw videos. They sent them to me and Brick. The way they acted in the gym was like they were, like they were us. They were the coaches. They were, they were telling people. They were spotting people. They were communicating the same. And Brick and I just sat there and just said, wow. Like the fact that, you know, we, we do the 5%, the clients there. Mm-hmm. And I think the family and the culture is what creates 95%. Yeah. And I think that's what you don't learn in uni. How do you bring people together? So I think rather than saying, how do I coach this person? How do I bring these people we coach together to work together so that I can sit back and manage? You're right. And I think one of the big things is likeness tends to attract likeness. So it's kind of what I've found anyway is the kind of energy that's coming out of your gym and the coaches you have in there, it tends to attract similar types of people. And then that tends to just, and everyone just feeds off each other and that culture just tends to build and build from there. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I think just the way we go about it, like we, we, we don't treat like anyone's better than anyone else. We just treat like a family, like we have a WSC private Facebook page and it's just, it gets flooded with like funny things, like videos, like everything. And I think like even the younger ones, the older ones, like it doesn't matter if you're, you're an older athlete or older client, or if you're a younger junior athlete, like every, like they get along, like they'll have chats and it's amazing. Like, like everyone just gets along. And like you said, you bring like-minded people that you walk through the doors and you know, you're not, you're not coaching, you're not doing sessions you're you're working in there 
and you're you're living your life. That's what you're doing. You're creating an atmosphere that yields amazing results. Interesting, because obviously you and Brick are a big part of the culture and the vibe at WSSC now. And you guys, the way you both kind of got started there is very similar. You both kind of just came in and then just kind of never left, really. You just kind of thought, oh, I like this place. And then you latched on and just basically both just hung around until Woody gave, <laughs> his, until Woody gave his a job. And then, uh, so that's probably part of the reason why he's get along so well and that, that culture's kind of developed. Well, definitely, because as I was growing as an athlete, Brick was going through his, like, so I was probably there six months prior to Brick as early on as an athlete, but he came in and then the period of him going through his internship phases to coaching and me going from an athlete to intern into coaching, it was, you know, across the same wavelength. It was across the same years. So we would see each other all the time. And sometimes we'd talk absolute quality. Sometimes we'd talk absolute garbage. And we do that still to this day. And I think we, we can never stop talking. Like if we call to discuss our athletes, they will end up talking turning into a two-hour phone call. And I love it. But I'm like, oh my God, like time just flies by. So I think it's amazing that I get every colleague, even Kez, Woody, like we, you know, Tom, we all get along so well. Um, and I think it, we, we don't treat it like, oh, you know, Woody doesn't, or Tommy, or Kez, they don't treat it like, oh, they're above us. You know, everyone just wants to help everyone. Everyone makes sure everyone's okay. Like we, we sometimes, if you have a bit of time, let's go get lunch together. You know, I think the family we have is just, next level so that we're all willing to work with each other. And I think that's the biggest thing that we're not alone. Like Brick will be on my side if I need something, you know, you know, I'll help Woody out if he needs something. And I think that's why we're really building up and we're really starting to create a culture that's unstoppable. Yeah. And the clients, the clients feel, the clients see that and they feel that. And like we said, they kind of feed off that and then it just grows from there. Yeah, definitely. And that's when like you get these, clients that all start to work with each other and you know you go through everything and it's, it's amazing because it's less people stay less because of your just your your quality time that you need like every second and more so just for the environment and the top-ups of knowledge and your yeah. programming i mean at the start yes they need you but honestly we have a rule if by a certain time frame your your clients aren't quite independent i'm not saying that they can't ask for your help but they don't have a high independent rate, then you're, are you really doing your job? Like stop trying to be, feel like they need you every second because they'll stay when they get their results. They'll stay when they love the culture. You know, they come for the coaching. They stay for the family. You're right. Because obviously your programming and your coaching skills have to be good. That goes without saying. But there's plenty of um, good gyms out there with great coaches. But the separate, the thing that kind of separates and gets people to stay is the culture and the environment that you build up. It's not even necessarily the um, technical coaching side of things that gets people to stay. Well, definitely. Like, I think that's a big thing. And because of that, they trust you. You start to have, because think about it, you get clients that sometimes can be a bit iffy with the things you want to put in or just haven't been educated. And it's not as simple as just go fucking do it. Like some people I can say, shut the fuck up, you're doing it, yeah? Some people, you can do that. Some people, there's definitely no, no chance in how I could say that because that's probably not going to end down end well. But, you know, those type of people, you gain their trust. They love the culture. They see results and everyone gets around them. They think, okay, this is the right place for me. Yeah, and once again, it's like we talked about earlier, that just comes back to knowing the individual and knowing the people that you're coaching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and it's, it's so interesting because all the things we just discussed are the, the, all the things you don't get from uni. Like, especially, I think as well, and this is a big thing I wanted to say as well, it's, it's amazing. And I think getting the practice experience helped with it is understanding how do you control a weight room compared to how do you coach an individual? Hmm. Because when you coach one person individually, and I think it's so important early on because that's what gets your hmm. basic um, competency, gets your basic knowledge, gets your understanding of how to work with someone. But then starting to build build the family and create a culture and start dealing with multiple people and multiple questions flying around, you know, it can be quite stressful at times, but in a good way, it's a great environment. And I think as a coach, having the ability to work with multiple people, and I'm not saying it has to be always absolutely crazy, but I think it's a, it's a next step up. And I think that's something that 
a lot of coaches, and we found a lot of the interns early on fold and they break down. They can't sit there, coach one person, then move around and move themselves around the weight room and help different athletes answer questions on the fly and being adaptable. Because it, it, when it, when people are going, it's like you can't sit there for three hours, sit down and talk. You know, you, sometimes you need to be on the ball. Like when someone asks a question, you got to think quick. So I think that's something that's definitely over the past year has really made me grow, especially just controlling, especially because of COVID, we haven't been able to have multiple coaches on the floor. It's kind of been one coach at a time. So when it's been crazy, you just got to figure it. We, we always say you just got to figure it the fuck out. You're right. There is a huge difference between coaching an individual and coaching a group. And I think there's a few factors to that as well. I think one thing that comes back to that you kind of talked about earlier is building your clients to the point where they're capable of um, handling themselves in a group session. And then it also, like you said, with the coaches, I think doing one-on-ones is key, is essential for a young coach because it gives you, it's great for building up your skills. But then you get to a point where one-on-ones aren't, the biggest thing is probably it's not scalable. So you almost need to move to a system where you're having, you're coaching more than one person at once. And then you need to, you need to develop the skills to be able to do that. Yeah, totally. Like it's, and like you said, it's awesome and it's great for coaches early on because when you work with someone individually, like you get, you just get so much out of each session. But I think there comes a time where we got to, coaches got to move on from the one-on-one and start to realize like, yeah, that's how I get my experience. That's how I get better. But then how do I help a business? Because in the day, and like, it's interesting, like, the reason why some athletes struggle to get jobs, I mean, sorry, some coaches struggle to get jobs is because they can't actually bring in revenue for companies um, because it's not always the company's fault, like uh, job to do that. Like, yeah, they will help out, but it's like, I couldn't ask Christian to be there and be like, give me, give me everything. Like I do have responsibility and I do have to help out. Um, and I think that's the big thing Christian told me is go out there you know, we're all the family, we're all a team. But in the day, you know, you got to go out there. You got to go practice that. You can't be spoon fed every second. You know, you got to, it's a bit of tough love. You go out there, you got to try, you got to bring in people because if you can't do that, you can't communicate, you can't sell, you can't buy in. When you want to step out and move out of your company zone, whether it be a different job, different country, different, different role, it's like, how do you create that stuff up? How do you bring in more? What can you give to a company or a coach or an individual? And particularly in the private sector, that's just a harsh reality. If you can't bring in clients as an individual or as a gym as a whole, then you're going to sink. You're not going to make it. And I think it's, I think the fact is we, you know what pissed me off and and you got me going now. It's the fact that we fucking sugarcoat it to the fact that we say, no, it's fine. You don't have to bring in anyone. You don't have to do that. We'll spoon feed you. You can go help someone stretch, but then they wonder why they move out of the fucking industry and they become a real estate agent. Because you didn't have the capacity, you didn't put your balls on the line to try to go out there and really bring people in. Like, yeah, it's hard. At the start, it's, it's fucking hard, but you got to do it. Like, you got to go out there. Because if you can't bring, bring revenue for a business, what, just because they like you, they've, they've known you for a while, they're going to hire you? Mm-hmm. Like, that's, that's not reality. And I think I'm so glad I learned that from a young age, you know, being exposed to this, that it's, it's not, oh, because you've been here for ages, because you're a good kid, you're going to get a job. You know, you either fucking work your ass off and, you know, you bring people in, you help the business, yeah? And obviously, because you're a good coach as well, then that's going to help you get a job or move up, you know, in roles in different companies. Yeah, you're right. It's just it's just a part of it. And all, a lot of this stuff that you're saying now, I can tell you, it took me a long time to come to, the, come to these conclusions and figure a lot of this stuff out. Um, so like I kind of touched on at the start, the fact that you're so young and have so much experience and you're kind of figuring all these things out now is really interesting because it'll be interesting from the point of view that it'll be interesting to see where you end up. Uh, what, are you, what are your plans going forward? Um, so that, that's a great question. So definitely, I think the next plan moving forward, whether it be next year or the year after finishing my degree is, my plan is to go to America and just kind of level up and just get some experience. And don't get me wrong, I always learned so much when I was at WSSC. But like what he said to me, he's like, you need to level up. He's like, it's time. It's you know, time to go. And I was actually supposed to go last year, but I'm glad I didn't because I definitely feel like I wanted to get a, a lot more out of 
working at WSSC, but moving moving on, I definitely like what he said. He's like, you need to go to America, and that's the plan for me. Next step is to go to America, get an internship somewhere, wherever it be, um, and just see what it's like at that next level where you know, obviously in America, SSC is huge and the way they implement it and not just for your one-on-one, but for their weight room, especially in that collegiate level. So I think that's definitely my next step to go, all right, how do I take myself to the next level? How do I put myself outside of my comfort zone? Because, man, going to a different country, like you said, you've been you've been overseas before, haven't you? Yeah, so I did a three-month internship with the University of South Carolina with their football team over there. Beautiful. Um, and how was that? Oh, it was unreal. I would absolutely recommend that any young coach, regardless of your age, really, any coach go over there and experience that because it's just – you can't even explain it. Like, it's just different. It's just – the skills you pick up over there, it's just um, it's just on another level. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why it's like I want to go go out there, put myself outside of my comfort zone. Like, I feel like once you get so comfortable with something, it you know, it's great and it's great for consistency, but – you know, to really grow and to really take a next step. I think it's important that I do go out there, challenge myself um, and really try to, you know, get more experience and see what it's like because it's always humbling. Like every time I have a new a chat with, a, you know, someone like yourself or other great coaches, I'm humbled. I'm humbled because you know, I realize how much shit I don't fucking know <laughs> and how much more experience I need to get. Um, and I feel like this will be one of those experiences that I just need to do so I can come back come back here and have a bit of fire in me and be like, all right, I've got a lot fucking more to implement. Yeah. It's just one of those things. The more experience you can expose yourself to, the more you're going to learn. Do you, um, do you have an idea? Do you have a preference? Do you want to go college? Do you want to go private facility over there? Or you're not too worried? Um, I'm definitely keen to try go to college. So last year I, I got accepted into Colorado Buffalo's uh, program, then Pac-12. Um, unfortunately, because of COVID, I wasn't able to go, which I always, as I said, it was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. Um, but honestly, like I would love to move towards that collegiate level because I want to see what it's like to control a greater weight room, to deal with all these athletes. And especially like, like you hear, right? When you take someone in the private sector, they buy into it. They'll listen to what you say. I've definitely from a lot of the coaches I've spoke to that have been over there, they say when you're there, a lot won't listen to what you say. So I think putting myself in a situation where I'll still be young and I'm going to somehow have to deal with athletes that are either same age or older who definitely had a bit of sass to them will be interesting to work around that and be like, all right, how do I get these guys to fucking do what I need them to do? Mate, it is nuts. I remember the first day I was there, they told us for the first week, we would just kind of sit back and watch get a feel for it then the second week we kind of jump in and start coaching but what ended up yeah. happening was the first session we were there all the players rolling there's about no no there's like 50 of them in the gym and they're like you just it was just mayhem and then we just end up just going for it in that first session and it's insane you're you're like oh you kind of feel so out of your depth and it's literally kind of like sink or swim a little bit you kind of just have to find your feet and it takes it takes a bit of time and you're right in the private sector people are coming to you and have generally sourced you out and are paying you money for coaching. So generally they're kind of bought in, so to speak, by the time they get there. But a lot of these guys, well, I know because I was working with football, these guys are good football players. They don't necessarily enjoy strength training or want to be there doing it. So you kind of have to find ways to get them, get them to do it almost. And some of the guys are coached and now playing in the NFL. So these are absolute like stud athletes that you're standing there this little dude from Australia standing there trying to get these um, NFL athletes to essentially to train in the gym. It's yeah. It's like nothing else. Yeah, honestly. And that's where you look at it. You have these athletes who their, their past few years of their life have just been pumped up because they've been great athletes. You know, they're, they definitely have high belief in them, high confidence, which is awesome. But when they don't want to do something, you know, it'll be interesting. And this is where I'm, re- I'm excited. I'm keen to see, you know, how you go about communicating it. Because in the day, you know, I was talking to, I don't know, you know, Jay Ellis, great coach. I was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, beautiful. And he told me, he was like, he said, you know, you can't always just yell at them. Because it's like, it's not always going to go that way. He's like, especially a smaller individual, you know, younger. He's like, it's not probably going to work out the best. So it's like, you got to find ways to communicate. And this is where it's like, I will always keep learning the theory. And I'll always keep learning 
the aspects behind athletic development coaching. Mm. But I think it's so awesome to be like, I want to get better at communicating. How the fuck do I get this person? How do I get that person to, mm. to do what I need them to do? That's exactly all the things we've kind of talked about. If you're good enough to be able to build a decent relationship with that athlete and earn kind of a bit of mutual, get a bit of mutual respect there, they're way more likely to listen to you, obviously. Yeah, definitely. So that's definitely somewhere. That's, that's my next step. In terms of beyond that, I think I'm not too stressed about where it's going because I'm a real big believer in, you know, life will go the way it will, you know, it would, it would go down its path. I think I don't, I love structure, but at the same time, I think it's important to let it do its thing. You know, I'm more concerned on what I'm doing tomorrow. And I think if I just get the small wins every day, you know, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, you know, if I can get the small wins every day, I think over time, you know, I'll move in the direction I want to. And that doesn't mean I don't have a plan moving forward, but I think the biggest thing is I just need to keep doing what I'm doing. And this is where Jayla said to me as well, and Woody, they sat, sat me down once and they just said, you know, your first 10 years of coaching, you just got to shut the fuck up and work. So I figured I'm like, that's what I got to do. I just got to shut the fuck up, just get to what I'm doing, grind. Um, love it, always love it. But just, you know, just keep nailing every day, keep winning every day. And I think from there, like even in life as well, just win life every day, be happy, enjoy myself. And I think from there, everything will keep going down the path it needs to. Yeah, man. You're um, wise beyond your years. And, <laughs> mate, and, mate, you're so young. So, like, you could do nothing for the next two years and you're, what, 21? So, like, <laughs> you got, mate, you got plenty of time to um, figure out where you want to go with things. So, <laughs> there's no point being stressed about it at the moment. Yeah, definitely. And that's the thing, man. Like, I just I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. And I think the biggest thing, you know, huge credit to the, everyone at the gym as well. They don't treat me like I'm 19, 20, 20. You know, they don't treat me like that. And I give so much love to them because they treat me for who I am as an individual at my job and my personality uh, rather than just, like, my age. And I think that it's awesome that people respect you and treat you so well when you know they truly do care about you so man huge credit to everyone there and even yourself as well man like i appreciate it like definitely moving forward it's something that you know you at first you get scared of but once you get around people that just back you up regardless you just kind of forget about it, it goes out of your mind yeah i think that's a um i think that's a good point to uh finish on we'll leave it there for today so if the people want more chris Kranis, where can they find you so at Coach DeCarnas on Instagram, have a look there, or you can look at the WSSC page on Google and you can uh, find all my details there as well. Shoot me up, email, phone number, Instagram, regardless. That's where you can find me. Awesome, man. Well, thank you very much for taking time out of your Friday afternoon. Oh, man, I appreciate it. Awesome. Like always, awesome chat. I was too keen, too keen for this. Um, and I'm also loving, loving your work. No, thank you very much, man. Appreciate it. Unreal Ledge, stay well.